0: You're listening to Cloudies with a Chance of Scripture. Um, today we're going to look at the curse that came along with uh, with humanity's decision to give in to the serpent's temptation and sin. So we already talked a little bit about uh, the curse upon the serpent. If you want to learn more about the serpent and the curse that was put on him and maybe what that means or represents... Was it literal? Was it evolutionistic? Was it uh, metaphorical? Well, uh, we we look at some of those ideas in our episode on the serpent. So we're going to skip past the curse that was uh, put on the serpent. But for now, we're going to jump into some of the other natural things that happened or uh, how the Hebrews explain some of the difficulty in life based on what our sin did to the world. So here we go in verse 16, 316. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face, and shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. All right, now, uh, today I want to talk about the book of nature. So what you just read right there is going to feed into this conversation somehow, but before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what I mean when I say book of nature, right? right. Uh, I've heard it said before, like, ah, the Bible is great to read, to experience and learn about God. But another book that is very helpful to learning about God is the book of nature. And this, of course, isn't like an actual book. It's more or less like, look around you. What can you learn about God from his creation? This uh, This is all good. Okay, so this is fine. Um, and I, I uh I agree with it because I for one am a nature fanatic. I mean, if any of you have read my book, Alien Theology, um, there's there's a big part in the middle of it where I'm just talking about how much I I love nature and just how that love for nature propels me into worshiping God and to learning about God. I just find it very easy to come in contact with his Holy Spirit when I'm Surrounded by nature, because it it automatically causes me to think about God and His brilliance. You know, I look at a tree. It's like, man, look at a million needles on this thing, and it's all of it like designed by God. You know, He's created this thing, and you can look at everywhere, and it's kind of flawless beauty, and it's all it's all because He's created. It. Like that's a very simple premise, right? And so simple, I sound kind of stupid even saying it, but. <laughs> that right there causes me to then begin to meditate on what God's created and and therefore meditate on God. And then I find myself in worship. God, you're so great. You're so brilliant. It's just amazing. I look around me and all this stuff that you made. Wow. You know, uh, and there may not be music there, but suddenly I'm caught up in kind of the inner music of my soul. Uh, and if you have ever (laughs) listened to any of my music, um, it's not uncommon for me to be singing about nature as a way to praise God. And you see that throughout the Bible too. Job, for example, uh, God, when God's talking to Job, God just brings up all of this nature and talks about how he is uh, misses none of it and how he sees every last little thing that's going on and takes care of all these animals and has power over even the craziest animals and and suddenly job is propelled into to worshiping god or entrusting god because of god's little discourse on nature so by all means nature is a great way to learn about god experience god you didn't hear me say anything else because i'm referring to one of the tactics in which i engage god best you know uh, we all have different ways in which we kind of commune with the holy spirit and for me A walk through nature is one of the quickest ways for me to just, uh, engage in worship and start to hear the spirit's voice and, and tell God how great he is. So by all means, nature is great. Here's what's difficult though, about subscribing completely to the idea that, uh, the book of nature is like this, this, uh, perfect thing that could tell us all about God in every single way and things like that, um. The problem is, we live in a cursed world. That is to say that from a Hebrew perspective, from a biblical perspective, the world is not everything that it one day will be when it is completely perfect. God made the world and it was tobe. That's that Hebrew word for good. The world is good, very good. But even good does not imply perfect. It doesn't imply that everything is as it should be. Um, It just means it's like aesthetically pleasing. It's good. It's uh, morally good, you know, things like that. Kind of a double entendre of good there, I think. But the world is in a, a great state. But one day when God comes back and restores everything with a new heavens and new earth, then we'll kind of enter into this perfect place. Until then... Uh, The world is not exactly everything it should be, and therefore, when you look out into the world, you shouldn't necessarily be like, ah, the world is like this, therefore God is exactly like that because he made the world. No, again, the world falls short, and it falls even more short than God created it to be because of the curse. So, when humanity sinned, we didn't just bring Um, problems upon a snake or a serpent. We didn't bring problems upon ourselves, and now we just have this moral condition. Again, from a biblical mindset, the whole world has been affected because we've sinned. We've thrown everything off. It's not as it should be. So, nature itself is not a perfect example of God because nature itself is no longer even in the good state at which God created it, it's dropped down a few notches. For example, uh, childbirth, right? So that's natural. It's nature. Uh, you know, you've, you've got everything that creates the baby, and then suddenly you've got the natural moment where the woman gives birth to a baby. And that that too can cause us to worship God. You know, you, you hear it all the time from those who have had children in which they're like, ah, the miracle of childbirth. I witnessed it myself. It was crazy. I can't believe God made such an incredible way of, of creating humanity. And it just it, it catches you up with how great he is and brings you into worship of him because it's just an amazing thing to see, right? When you hold that baby in your arms, you're like, huh, well, would you look at that? This this nature God's created is is brilliant. So that's all great. But childbirth itself, you know, and that extreme excruciating pain, that's natural. But from a biblical mindset, that's short of what it was meant to be, because that's a part of a curse upon humanity. Because of our sin, now childbirth is much worse. And you can think of that, especially from like an ancient mindset when they're writing that, like, childbirth, a lot of times, the the mother wouldn't survive. I mean, just think about how many C-sections you've heard of. I was a C-section. My kids were a C-section. They didn't have C-sections back then. And without that, my mom would have died. I would have died. My wife would have died. My children would have died. I mean, once you take that into light, it's just like, okay, so like this curse upon humanity, like it's, it's, it's not as it should be. Women, have great pain in childbirth. Women sometimes don't even survive childbirth. This is not the kind of pain that that originally was supposed to be there. Sin has corrupted this natural order in a very strong way. Same is true about working the land, right? I mean, again, from a biblical mindset, things like thorns, thistles, that's not something that God created. That is a curse upon humanity, that comes with our sin. We, we brought that on ourselves. So, listen to, listen to that verse again. "'Cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return.'" So right here, in this passage, again, we see that even like farming, even you know, the idea of a, a rose poking you, that is a, a kind of a, a curse upon creation. That's part of its falling short. We were meant to subdue the earth. So in the same way that women were meant to give birth uh, because God told us to be fruitful and multiply, in the same way, God told us to go and subdue the earth, which would mean like farming, taking care of it, clearing out things, uh, just as uh, the being fruitful and multiplying part is now going to be hurt more and fall short of what God intended because of a curse upon it, because of sin. So the earth itself, uh, subduing it is going to be harder and require more because of our sin. So, I say all that to say that when we come and we treat the book of nature, if you will, as though it is as infallible a way uh, to learn about God as scripture, I think we can fall short there, you know? there's There are a lot of statements we can make about nature uh, that we do a lot of nowadays, right? Because science is kind of like, I'd say science is kind of like a mainstream religion. Uh, again, I talk a little bit about that and. My book, Alien Theology, um, in which I affirm and recognize the beauty of science and studying science as a way to learn more about God, um, but even with that in mind, we have to recognize the thing that we're studying falls short. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't lead us to the perfect knowledge of who God is, and that's that's just important for us to know because. There are a lot of scientific statements today that go against Scripture, you know, and and the logic there a lot of times is like, well, someone might be born a certain way or because we see this in nature, therefore God must be like that. Uh, And there's a lot of scientific statements that are true scientifically, but do not reflect the God of Scripture and what the Bible says about him. Uh, Because science will, even though the study itself may accurately describe what's in front of you, it does not take into mind that God's world is fallen. It is not perfect. It is not even everything he designed it to be, and even what he designed it to be was not perfection, but very, very good. We have to keep all that in mind, right? One day you'll be able to study uh, science, you'll be able to study uh, how the world works and what nature looks like, and when you look at nature, I think you'll see like an exact reflection of everything God is, when the new heavens and the new earth are established and everything is made right and put as it should be. But until that time comes, we as Christians need to be discerning with the book of nature. I might read it, and I might say, "Yeah, God's like like this tree, and in the way that in which uh, this tree is strong and powerful, and and it seems to see everything." You know, like maybe I'm looking at a tree, and God's just like giving me that revelation. I'm like that. I'm tall. I see it all. I'm I'm strong. You can't push me over. Like I know that's just a weird example. I'm just kind of spitballing here but God might uh, talk in that way while I'm listening to the Holy Spirit walking through a forest, right? That's good. That lines up with Scripture. I don't need to fight it. But then another scientific fact might come my way, uh, and maybe that fact doesn't line up with the Bible. I have a choice right then. Am I going to trust the God that I know of the Bible, or am I going to say, well, he made this thing, so he must really be like that? Because if I go that route, then there's a good possibility that there are some fallen things that I have taken and said, yeah, God is uh, fallen and sinful and uh, cursed just like this object over here. You see what I mean? Like the book of nature can only carry us so far. So by all means, embrace nature as a way to commune with God and, uh, get to know Him. I'm not saying God is nature or God's in nature. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying use it as a tool in which the Holy Spirit can bring you closer to God. By all means, that's cool. But do understand that just because it's science, just because something can be proven in nature does not therefore imply that it is therefore godly, okay? Uh, now, for those of you who are listening to me talk right now and you're like, man, this guy's got a problem with science. That's seriously not the case at all. Uh, <laughs> to really get my understanding on just how great science is and really how I tend to be a bit more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, controversial maybe and just how much I approve of science. Uh, again, my book Alien Theology will kind of help you understand how I think cri- Christian Christianity and science can mix together better than it currently does, um, or you can check out some of our previous podcast episode. One we talked about evolution with a pastor friend of mine who also is a uh, scientist. Um, that was his first degree in science, and then he went and got uh, a degree in pastoral ministry. You know, these kind of people do exist, so you can check out that to learn more about that. Um, but today is kind of like another counterbalance to that conversation. Just because it's scientific, does not mean it therefore um, lines up morally with with who God is.